learn in the Old Testament that our God, our Lord, is enthroned in glory. In the ancient Hebrew, glory, the idea of glory is heaviness and weight, something that's just overwhelming. So the glory of the Lord is not just light or power, it's the weight, it's the heaviness of our God. And today, we're going to learn that great prayer that's prayed at the end of every psalm when we pray in the Catholic Church, and that is the glory be, the gloria patri, glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Two controversial parts of that, do we say spirit or ghost? And then what's the story with world without end? What does that mean and how it relates to the Latin? Well, as we learn how to pronounce this prayer and translate this prayer from the Latin, we'll also hit on those two somewhat controversial points. So I'm going to put up on the screen for everyone your new St. Thomas Institute uh, guide of pronunciation. This is the, uh, the guide for members, for students. The second part of it, is the pronunciation of ecclesiastical Latin. If you haven't done that unit yet, please do that one before you do this one. It's important that you go through Dr. Marshall's Latin Ten Commandments on how to pronounce Latin so you don't get confused as we are actually going through real Latin, real Latin prayers. So please hit that one first if you haven't already. And now we'll jump into the Gloria Patri. So let me get this on the screen. This is the first part of this guide. Um, we call it the Guide to the Latin Rosary because it gives you the prayers that you need in order to recite the rosary. Okay, so there on the screen, you'll see at the bottom is the Gloria Patri. And I will pray the prayer first, and then like we did with the Pater Noster and the Ave Maria, we'll translate it and learn how to pronounce each and every word. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicuterat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Okay, so right away we have the word Gloria. This is just glory. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, this is the aura around God. It is praise. It is worship. It is uh, light. It is power. It is, especially in Hebrew, a heaviness, a severity, right? It is what overcomes the prophets when they're in the presence of God is the glory. The glory of God fills the celestial temple like smoke. So it is just the overwhelming presence of God in our midst. And so there is in Catholic theology this idea that we can't add anything to the glory of God. Think about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost before they created our universe. Did they have any less glory back then? No. They were maxed out. At glory. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost were equally glorified and fully maxed out. So what we do as humans when we acknowledge and worship God and give him the glory, all we're doing is recognizing a fact that already exists and has always existed from eternity. 
This is why in the prayer we say, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be. We're just confessing, look, we're giving God the glory, but in reality, we're just accepting the fact that God has always been perfectly glorified in himself forever. This is Catholic theology. So we have the three divine persons of the Trinity, and all of them are in the dative case, which in the dative case, it indicates uh, towardsness or giving to, towards, two or four is usually how we translate the dative, two or four. So here we're going to say Gloria, glory. You'll notice here in the Latin, there is no word be. We, in English, we say glory be to the Father and to the Son and the Holy Ghost. Uh, in Latin, often the to be uh, verb is sometimes missing or not there. We supply it mentally in Latin, and that's what we're going to do here. It's not there, but it's implied. So glory be, kind of in parentheses because it's not here, patri to the Father. Now, we know that, as we say over and over, the accent is on the second to last syllable, so it's not going to be patri. It's going to be patri. Glory be to the Father et filio and to the Son. Now, some people ask this when they're learning the Latin. They say, how come when I do the sign of the cross in nomine patris, I say patris, I-S, and here I say patri, and there is no S. That's because patris with the I-S is the genitive, meaning of the Father. So we're saying in the name of the Father. But patri without the S is the dative. So we're saying to the Father. So the endings in Latin are telling you, is it of the Father, to the Father, in these two cases. So in this case, we're saying glory be to the Father. So we're not going to say patris as we do in this way, in nomine Patris et filii et spiritus sancti, genitive, 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 which means of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost. Instead, when we're doing the glory be, we're saying glory to the Father, patri, to the Son, filio, and to the Holy Spirit, spiritui sancto. Okay? So, Filio is son, but it's to the son. And then et spiritui sancto, and to the spirit holy, to the Holy Spirit. Now, traditionally in English, going back to really when vernacular starts coming onto the scene, uh, vernacular translations, and even, I guess, before the 1500s, you see in English father, son, obvious translations of, of pater and filius, and Holy Ghost. Now, obviously, Holy Spirit is a closer uh, word to spiritus than uh, ghost is. I mean, you can see it right there on the screen. Spiritui sancto, it's spirit, not ghost. So why would they have translated it ghost, which sounds all creepy and kooky and Halloween, and not translate it spirit. And why is it today that you have a lot of traditional Catholics like myself who constantly keep using this archaic word like Holy Ghost? Why don't they just get with the program and say Holy Spirit? All right, well, here's why. The problem in English 
is we get the word spirit, of course, directly from Latin, spiritus, spirit. However, in English, it has an expanded meaning. So you could say, you know, uh, it's Christmas time, let's break out the spirits, and you mean break out the bottles of liquor. So spirit has taken on a, a different meaning. But the main problem in English is that spirit has taken on this very generic definition that's used mostly in English, most of the time in English, and it refers to a social feeling or phenomenon. So people will say the spirit of 76 or the spirit of Woodstock or the spirit of Vatican II or let's get in the Christmas spirit. This is how usually in contemporary English that the word spirit is used. And this is a bit of a problem because, you know, there's already the misunderstanding in contemporary Christianity, thanks to liberal modernists in the Catholic Church and also Protestants, that God the Son is maybe not divine or was just a gifted prophet. There's this wrong idea. And then with that comes the idea that the Holy Spirit is not a divine person, co-equal, co-glorified with the Father and the Son, but the Holy Spirit is kind of like the happiness and charity that we feel at Christmas time. And you'll hear people say, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, I'm just sort of like in the spirit of the divine. Okay, so this is an error. And so the one reason why I almost always in my videos try to say Holy Ghost, I'll say Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with it. Of course, there's nothing. It's factually correct. Look it up in a dictionary. One of the def uh, definitions for a spirit is a non-material person. But one of the reasons I say ghost is it shocks people. And ghost always means a person. A ghost is a person. A spirit is not necessarily in English in our time period, not necessarily a person. So I'll say Holy Ghost, and people will be like, well, well why do you say Holy Ghost? And I'll say, well, he's a person. He is a person. They're like, oh, I never thought of it like that. You'll even hear people refer to the Holy Ghost as it. Oh, I never, never thought of it like that. So already in their own mind, they're not thinking of the Holy Ghost as a he as a person, they're already thinking of the Holy Ghost as like the force in Star Wars. That's sort of this spiritual principle holding the world together, but not a he. He's, it's not a he or a who or someone you would pray to, a divine person. So that's why I say Holy Ghost. Again, Holy Spirit is correct. I just think in our time, because of certain errors, Holy Ghost jars us and reminds us we're talking about three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. All right, the second half, sicut erat in principio. Sicut, we've seen many times already above. We saw it in the Our Father. Sicut means just as, as like. So just as, erat means was, in means in. Sicut erat in principio. Principio means the beginning, the very beginning. So you could say, I'm trying to think in a, in a uh, English setting, it can mean beginning or the highest. 
So for example, we talk about princes, they're the highest, or principles, they're the highest. Uh, it's related to all this, but in Latin, it has the idea of the origins, the very, very, very beginning. So as it was in Principio, in the beginning, et nunc, we learned nunc already in the Ave Maria. Nunc means now, and now, et semper, and always, semper means always, et in secula seculorum, amen. And there's the end. Now, the other kind of difficult part to translate here is in secula seculorum. So we have, as it was in the beginning, is now, and in uh, at semper, always, so kind of past, present, future, and then thrown onto this is in secula seculorum. Sometimes you'll hear this prayer, glory to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. To me, bad translation. They left off this last part. What they're trying to do is avoid world without end. Okay, so in secula seculorum, secula here is neuter plural. A seculum is a, it has two meanings in Latin that, that hinge together. It can mean the world, like the universe. It can also usually mean a time period, an epic, an epic. It can also mean 100 years. All right, so it has all of those meanings. It can mean the world, the universe, a time period, 100 years. So it's plural and then it's of plural again. So the best translation, it's hard to say. Often the Greek Orthodox, the Greeks will, tr will translate this as in ages of ages. That's one way. Another one would be that's perfectly valid. If I was a, a Latin high school teacher, which I was for several years, and someone translated this as in ages of ages, check, they get it right. They could translate it as and in worlds of worlds. It's kind of awkward in English. But it's technically a correct translation in worlds of worlds. So you could say, glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, in world of world, worlds of worlds. Amen. What happened early on was this idea that in worlds of worlds sounds awkward in English. So they put world without end. So they kept the idea of world, but they just said world without end. And that's pretty much how it's been accepted in English. It's maybe not the best translation, but you can see that it's an awkward uh, phrase. And you'll see if you go to Latin Mass, the collects, the prayers, end so often with et in secula seculorum, amen. In ages of ages, in worlds of worlds, world without end. And different missiles will translate though that Latin idiom, that Latin phrase in different ways. It's best, of course, just to know Latin and to know that that's what's going on in Latin. It's this idea of both time and space and world compounded on each other. So, you know, you could say throughout the centuries, throughout the epics, throughout the ages, on and on and on and on and on. That's the meaning. So I'll, like I did with the previous prayers, I will close up by slowly reciting the prayer so that you can hear it. And as I do it, you'll, I think, because this is so short and the vocab is so simple, you'll immediately, whether you've studied Latin or, or never have before, this is your first time, you'll immediately hear the words and know what it means. Here we go. 
In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Gloria Patri et Filio et Spiritui Sancto, sicuterat in principio et nunc et semper et in secula seculorum. Amen. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Well, congratulations. So far, you know the Our Father, the Pater Noster. You know the Hail Mary, the Ave Maria. You now know the Glory Be, the Gloria Patri. So you can now, you have the knowledge, you have the pronunciation, you can pray a decade of the Rosary, the Our Father, 10 Hail Marys, Glory Be, and you're already set to go. And along the way, you've learned pronunciation with real Latin, not just a workbook, but real sentences, real prayers. Congratulations. So we will now move on and we'll do the Fatima prayer in Latin. And we'll also learn the table prayer, bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts. And I'll also teach you how to chant it all in our lessons to come. Thanks for being a member of the New St. Thomas Institute. Thanks for studying this uh, certificate on the Roman Rite and the Latin Mass. I hope you find it helpful. It enriches your prayers and roots you more deeply in our Catholic patrimony. God bless. Sorry.